Welcome to this episode of Working Life, the podcast dedicated to telling the inspiring stories of amazing people in the charity and not-for-profit sector. I'm Jael Woolley. And I'm Victoria Dillon. And we are the co-founders and directors of The Talent Set, the marketing recruitment experts. And together, we are your hosts on the show. Today, we're going to be speaking to Michelle Clark, the Executive Director of Diversity and Talent at the Children's Society. Michelle has an impressive career and the majority of it spent in the commercial sector. Today, we're going to be talking to Michelle about her career, the issues of diversity and inclusion within the charity sector, and the proactive things the Children's Society are looking to do to tackle some of the issues, as well as providing us with some top tips. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Michelle. Nice to talk to you today. Thank you very much. And it's lovely to be here. Hi. Good to speak to you, Michelle. And we're really pleased that you're here today because, you know, the lack of diversity in the charity sector is something that's been quite widely reported on and and certainly been talked about a lot. And yet there's still quite a lot that needs to be done. And I think from um, the recent sort of Akivo survey that shows that still only 6% of charity chief executives are from a BAME background, when you know compare that to the general sort of UK population, which I think they're sort of estimating it probably be about 20 to 30% of people from a BAME background by 2050, you know, there's clearly, clearly quite a big disconnect there. So, you know, I remember quite clearly when the Children's Society were advertising for your role and I thought, you know, great, you know, it's a big charity that, you know, is recruiting a director level sort of DNI person and just sort of really shows that there's a commitment there to, to actually changing and, and having an impact. So, you know, now you've got the role and you've started. I'm sort of really looking forward to, to hearing your sort of observations and, and also what, what you're doing to, um, to bring about that change. So, you know, rather than, you know, me, me introduce you sort of too much, just what it'd be good to sort of hand over to you and, and find out a little bit more about what a, a director of D&I at, at the Children's Society actually does. Yeah, so I, I'll just give a quick um, sort of background to, to what got me to this point, actually. So I've uh, worked in um, HR, human resources, um, in rail most of my uh, career and working across a variety of roles from generalist to specialist. And I kind of got to um, a place in my career sort of towards the end of last year where I, I, I knew I wanted to take the next step. But I, I was at that crossroads of do I do I want to um, continue in a kind of generalist front or do I want to specialise in diversity and inclusion because that's an agenda that's incredibly um, important to me personally, but also something where you know I really feel that there's a lot more that HR the HR practice can do. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, what happened was rather than having to make that decision, the the job at the Children's Society just kind of came came forward really and what was brilliant about that and what really really attracted me and made me feel that this is the place that I really want to be was the, the fact that they they did have the focus of diversity and talent um, as, as the job title and, and, and I thought that was an important signal to the organization but also externally that we're committed to this agenda and we know that we need to do do more about it and obviously what that means in my role now is that I, you know I am looking after and leading the people agenda so across a variety and a spectrum of everything to do what, what you would typically call an HR director 
but the real focus is around making sure that diversity and talent are at the forefront of everything we do. So I'm so excited and so um, honoured to, to be in this position and, and obviously starting during lockdown has been a challenge and it has been a, a strange way of starting any job, let alone this job, but it, it's been fantastic and, our, and, and that kind of that real desire for this um, important focus is, is still there right from the, the moment I started and, and everything that we're doing there's still this massive commitment and a real need and want to change and it's I guess my job at the moment is a bit is a bit about saying hang on a second let's just let's find where we are because there's such eagerness to want to kind of really improve things which I think is amazing. And that's really great to hear, isn't it? Because, you know, that's a really big part of it is, is people wanting to change. And, you know, yes, they've recruited you, which I think is a, a really big signal from, from the charity. But how important for other organisations is it that the senior leadership team and the, the chief executive are really sort of driving the, the DNI agenda? I think it's incredibly important. I mean, in my previous experience, you know, in a different industry, the, the the people agenda itself is was always hard to kind of raise up to the the, the kind of you know uh, the the awareness of the leadership team always a challenge let alone trying to kind of raise the importance of making sure that our working practices are truly inclusive or that we're working towards really understanding what it means to be an inclusive employer and, and everything that we've built up around us are you know we're, we're looking at it with a, a DNI lens. And, and often you feel like you're the, you're the only voice and actually that, that voice is quite hard when you've got institutions that are probably built on, you know, long lasting kind of ways of organising the world of work. And to start to try and say, well, actually, we need to think about this differently. People don't tend to really want to hear that. I think we're in a really privileged position right now because, um, you know, the, the agenda has been sort of pushed right up which is really important. The gender pay gap reporting started to do that because suddenly I think, you know, whilst, whilst it felt challenging and, and, and a little bit nerve wracking to have to report your gender pay um, reporting, actually, once, you, once we started to do, see that happen, then, then actually there's a level of accountability there that you kind of need to be demonstrating and that helped to really drive, you know, action, which is important. I think we're in that a similar position now where, where again, that, you know, what, what is happening in the world and, and certainly with um, the Black Lives Matter movement has really, really pushed race right quite high up the agenda to the point where we can't really ignore it and we shouldn't be ignoring it. And actually that's helping that conversation. But what's more important than ever is making sure that the leadership teams understand that and have those conversations, keep the conversations going. And that, I think that will be the challenge for for organizations especially you know when you've got so many things coming at you you know we're in a really difficult phase with we don't know where where this pandemic is going to take us we need to keep that conversation going and that's where the role of the ceo and the the leadership and you know they have a really important role to play in that Mm -hmm. Yes, and that, that's a good point, actually, isn't it? That it is at the moment very high on, on most people or most companies' agendas. But yes, actually thinking about how that's going to, to stay long term 
actually it's probably quite important with everything else that's going on so yes and, and, and probably just you know you touched on there on, on the race and gender so from quite a good time to just perhaps explore sort of what the word diversity actually means because I think it's one of those words that's very well used and, and sometimes therefore can perhaps lose its meaning slightly so you know but just a good place to start, I guess, is what, what do you think it actually means when you're talking about diversity and, and at the children's society? I think that's a, that's a really good point. I think for me, when I talk about diversity, it's about really first and foremost understanding that uh, we're talking about human beings and um, the world of work, you know, we're, we're, we all come to work we all, and we're all, we all have difference you know we have maybe different backgrounds different knowledge different belief systems different kind of experiences all of those things come together with a collection of individuals that are different and diversity for me is about making sure that we understand and we celebrate those differences actually but that we try to make sure that we we give opportunity to difference and i think that's where a lot of the the kind of front facing aspects of diversity is when you're talking about attraction and recruitment it's about making sure we're appealing to different people because actually what what is what is beautiful about difference is that it brings a wealth of experience it brings different ideas it brings different knowledge it brings different kind of energies which are so important for the work that you do and that's exactly the the, um, the 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 kind of dialogue that I'm starting to have with the children's society um, and the employees that that work there because actually let's really understand what we mean about diversity and, and difference and let's really look at ourselves and look at what we can do to make sure that we we do appeal and we do value and we bring difference into our organization because that's going to be so important for us in the long term because you know we're in a different world now and we're in a modern world with different ways of doing things and actually it's that diversity of thought skills and capability and knowledge that's going to help help keep us going in the long term mm. i mean we've recently placed with you obviously in your um comms team and it was a really interesting quite different recruitment process to to normal and actually our candidates had great feedback they felt like it was a really thorough process very fair but quite different so tell us about some kind of changes that you've made from from that front yeah so in terms of the um, recruitment process I mean there's still a long way to go so I think it's it's fair to say that we're just really at the start of making some of those changes but generally, and, and I suppose as well, what's kind of forced that um, more recently is the fact that we're in a digital world now. So actually, you know, a lot of the onboarding, you know, needed to change. It needed to move into a different way. And we needed to be able to provide access to all of the information um, available to new entrants, you know, in a digital format and one that meant that it was accessible to all. So, you know, that's something that's been fundamental. We've created a, an online onboarding sort of approach that really is celebrating the fact that, you know, we're, we're, we're employing you and you're joining us and we're really really proud of that fact but also that you've got access and you can you can look at the information that you need and really understand actually what the children's society is about up front which i think is really important a lot with our recruitment practices as well we've, we've worked hard to try and try and remove bias where we possibly can now i mean like i said there's a long way to go but we're making the right step so you know in terms of anonymous applications so that we we're really trying to make sure 
going back to what I just said that we're attracting and, and we're kind of you know really making sound decisions on the on the skills and the capabilities that the people that people coming forward have and mm. and there is a kind of level of bias that's coming into play early on which I think is really important so there are a couple of things um, that we've started to move towards and it's again it's around looking at it across a, a range of spectrum in terms of what we need to do but there's so much more we do need to do so i think but there it's a again it's a good signal and it's a good step in the right direction yes and and you know unconscious bias you know in particular is raised as one of the sort of key challenges that the sort of sector faces really across recruitment and attraction but also on that sort of inclusion side of things so I don't know whether you've sort of seen, you know, much differences between the sort of commercial sector and the charity sector on that, or, or if you've, you know, got any um, advice that you can share for, for other organisations that might be listening on, on how they can sort of tackle that unconscious bias. It's tough. And I think what I would say, though, and, and I, you know, across sectors, I think the challenges are the same, actually. Um, I think all too often we we when we think about diversity and inclusion we think about the, the the kind of upfront processes so the attraction and recruitment you know how do we bring people into the organ how do we make sure we try and you know attract a diverse range range of candidates which is great and it is that you know that's the, that's an important step in in that whole kind of um, experience but the other things that we need to be thinking about is where is when people when we're recruited and people are with us and actually do our kind of working practices and our policies support difference? Do people feel included? Because it's all very well trying to make sure that we're, we're doing all of the upfront front bit to bring a diversity of people into the organisation, but do they stay? And I think that that was the same same kind of um, challenge that I felt in, in my previous world to, to where I am now in terms of we've also got to think about the whole system. So it's about also how we how we develop, how we train, how we manage, how we you know encourage participation. All of those things have got to be inclusive. And that's where I think a lot of the focus needs to shift towards um, from an organisational point of view, because it's, it's about making sure we retain the talent that we're, we're bringing in, but also that, that, you know, the people that have worked in the organisation for, for a while, it's about making sure that they still feel engaged and they're still having a good experience. And it goes back to what I was saying right at the start, that it's about that human aspect and that we're different. And so there's not going to be one size fits all. There isn't. And I think organisations need to start kind of, you know, waking up to that fact that it's there isn't a one size fits all. You've got to listen to and, and know the needs of your particular workforce and then think about how you implement changes in terms of policy, process, practice, whatever it is that, that means that your people feel connected and motivated in your organisation and valued. That's a big part of um, inclusivity for me is feeling valued. We've recently talked about um, some of the kind of actionable things that you have done since you've started. Do you want to tell us a little bit about them, sort of things that you've done to to help sort of inclusivity since you've started? Yeah, I mean, I must say it's three months. <laughs> but what I can't believe months? it. <laughs> what are three months? Three um, months I at think... home, <laughs> starting in an HR job. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, but I think that's that's what's been great about the Children's Society. Actually, they're, they're, they're so warm and welcoming and just really want to make sure you succeed, which has been lovely. So I'm, I'm really, really grateful for, for that. But then, you know, kind of repaying that back, my feeling was that, we need to we need to understand what's right for this organization so i'm i'm not just going to react i'm not going to react to you know what's going on outside and a, and a and a bit of a pressure to say well what are we doing about it what we need to do is understand the situation here and so a couple of things first and foremost it's about gathering insight so um I've undertaken um, what I call the soundbite approach, but that's targeted, focused, quick sort of almost pulse check surveying on specific areas to really understand how people are thinking and feeling at this present time and, and how we use that to, to, to shape the, our actions and our response. So we, we, we um, undertook a, a special sort of targeted Black Lives Matter soundbite survey to, to get some, some views and some voice from, from the employees. From that, we've then um, used, we've delved into that a little bit further to run a, um, a focus group, again, to hear voice, to try and understand what are some of the issues that, that we need to pay attention to here. So it's very much about gathering data and insight. The other area that was that was important was around um, creating an opportunity for self-learning and education. And again, it's, I think it's about the awareness piece, but it's also about making sure people have an opportunity to, to learn and, and to understand what, what we're talking about and what this means. And so we um, provided an, an afternoon um, within the month of July for people to just take time away from work to go and um, learn, learn more about, um, you know, Black Lives Matter. You know, we provided specific resources for those of them that, that wanted to access those resources. So just go and learn and, and go, go and, and understand what this means for you and your experience experiences and then bring that back to your team so that again we can share that that understanding and knowledge to help feed into our planning and, and our approach moving forwards and another thing that kind of really came out of that was our CEO Mark um, Russell just really keen to learn and, and do something for himself and so approached one of our um, colleagues and 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 we've got into this um, upward mentoring scheme with him so he's again he's, he's trying to learn and it's, it's to reinforce that self-education piece so that's kind of as I said reaching out and trying to gather insight to understand what our current situation what our current context is to help inform our future so that's where I'm at the moment and then the idea will be to gather more kind of external information to get an external lens on how well we do things across a range of um, things from talent um, you know recruitment, all, all of the things that we do around people to then help inform our strategy strategy and approach moving forwards. It's quite a lot in three months really, isn't it? Considering that uh, you've not actually been into the office yet. So it is amazing what an impact you can have. And, and you know, I've really, really liked that you've said there that it's not a one size fits all. And that just makes perfect sense. You know, each organisation is going to have you know, completely unique challenges when it comes to diversity. So, you know, that that's, you know, stopping to, to actually look at the, the results that you get from those surveys or, or focus groups and then the mentoring, you know, sounds really sensible. And, and I can imagine actually a lot of people might just skip. So I think that that's a, a really important point. And that self-learning is, is great that the organisation committed to half a day to be able to go and learn. And actually, 
you know, when looking at um, diversity, one of the things that comes up quite often is that some people do feel uncomfortable talking about it and, and largely due to their, you know, lack of understanding of perhaps what it, what it is. So half a day's learning is, is really interesting. Did, did you, you know, get some surprises in that? Was there some, some feedback that perhaps you weren't expecting? I think there was a, so along with the focus group, there's, there's a bit about um, getting back to the basics for us around mm-hmm. just making sure that people um, feel that, that if there are any issues that they can raise them in a safe way um, and, that, and that, you know, our, our kind of policies and procedures hold true to that. So there was, there's something about the basics, but there's also something about keeping the conversation going. And that that's coming through is really, really important that, you know, we're talking about it now, but we don't want that to stop just because it might fall off the radar from the media, you know, external media perspective. We need to keep that going. And I think that's really powerful and something that mm. we, we will be listening to as an organisation to make sure we find the right mechanisms to keep the conversation going. Because, again, that can only help us improve what we do because it doesn't stand still, does it? So we need to make sure we're, we're constantly, you know, um, supporting people in the right way so yeah fascinating is yeah it's also a great message for your chief executive to be doing some reverse mentoring I think it's really positive how that kind of comes from the top and I think it shows a lot of people in the organization just how keen he is for change and development and moving forwards yeah absolutely I think it comes back to that point around we're not we don't have all the answers now and we're not going to just react now we need to learn and, and you know, so it, once once we start to learn and start to grow together, then we we can we can pave our you know our future out together, and I think that's important. And you know, again, I know that it's still sort of early days, but have you found any particular sort of challenges or, or barriers, you know, to to change sort of standing out? Because you know, it it does sound like the charity sector in particular is still a little bit behind um some of the the other sectors in in terms of equality and and sort of representation and so whilst i imagine there are the the same issues there's sometimes some surprise around that because of i guess their social ethos and and wanting to to change society for the better i i think that sometimes people can be a bit surprised actually at perhaps the the lack of diversity so i don't know if you've sort of found any particular barriers or, or reasons that that might be I think there's there's a couple of things that are standing out for me at the moment and of course this might change because I'm still quite early on I think there's there's some really great sort of structures in place in terms of you know I I joined TCS and there's there's a single equality scheme in place which you know I've not I'd not really heard of before until I joined the children's society and then I started to get a sense of it's quite there's quite a lot of um, that sort of focus in public sector organizations actually so I think there's some some really good foundations that were put in place I think the challenge has been to then translate that to what that means in practice and and that's where you need the focus that's where you need um, that kind of guiding mind that is influencing the organization continually on the on the things that you're committing to say that you're going to do because you can't just put something in place and then walk away and expect that it's going to happen because it doesn't and I, and I think that's a bit of a kind of that 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 generally happens with with um, people 
processes and practices that you want to 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 kind of um, lead in an organization you have to keep talking about it and keeping the focus on i think the other thing that i've noticed within um the charity sector is that a lot of people do join this world because they are passionate and they're, and there there is that sense of wanting to make a change and, and you know fighting for the cause which is which is brilliant but sometimes that energy um, I think is 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 almost like we, we you know we keep we've got to keep fighting for this we've got to keep fighting for it and that can take up sometimes the focus away from actually doing what we need to do. So there's something about how we harness that energy and actually turn it into a practical reality for me. I'm not quite sure what that is yet, but I, that's that's kind of where I'm thinking there's, there's great energy here. We just need to make it happen. So, and I think that's where the kind of plan and the steps and the small steps that we'll take will help to see that, that change happen over time because, you know, this is, this, Diversity inclusion is is a huge, huge agenda. There is so much to do, and you know you have to you have to prioritize. You have to focus because otherwise, if, if you think you can do everything all at once, you're just not going to. So, and that's something I've learned over time. So, um, so yeah. But I think there's lots of positives to to kind of you know really galvanize into action. So I'm excited for that head. Yes, and it's not something you can change overnight, is it? You know, it's it's probably a slow and sort of consistent change and a build up of those small steps so you know it, it's great that you can see all of those positives and, and see that it will change um might just take you a, a little bit longer than your uh, your three months <laughs> that, that you've had there there so far but that sort of leads in quite nicely to thinking uh, you know about the future and you know hopefully you've, you've been there long enough now to sort of really sort of understand what what needs to be done so what, what sort of things do you think you know thinking about that more long term that you might like to to do to to help um you know bring about that i guess more equal representation i think um it's uh, it's about coming back to to what i said right at the start it's about thinking about what we do for people with a human lens um, and thinking about experience, you know, employee experience and volunteer experience through human lens and creating um, a clear strategy and framework that helps us focus our work and our activities around a range of um, areas that connects to the individual human. And once we connect to the individual human, I think then we'll start to see We'll start to see positive change happen happening because it comes back to again what I said around one size doesn't fit so fit all. I think there's something about making sure we help people feel valued in the organisation, and that's that's massively where the diversity inclusion agenda comes into because again it's about recognising difference, but about ensuring that everybody has an opportunity to feel included, whether that's through employee voice. So how do we how do we give and, and provide opportunities for people to have a say on how things are done around here, whether that's um, how we uh, train and, and skill and, and develop our leaders, because leaders have an important role to play, um, but also just getting the basics right, which is what I said, you know, as well, you know, that there are some basics that we need to make sure we're looking at that um, do appeal and, and that are relevant for modern day working and, and workers. Um, so, so there's, there's, kind of a quite a, a, an array of things that I've, I've got in my mind um, and also some I, I think more than anything is about establishing a kind of human-based strategy that enables us to do that. Mm -hmm. I love how you don't separate diversity and inclusion because 
I think in a lot of organizations, people look at one issue or the other. And obviously, there's no point focusing on diversity if then people don't feel included in, in the organization, they don't get given a voice. And I, I think that that comes across so strongly with you. And it's such an important point. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's, it comes back to what I was, yeah, you know, connecting to that individual and, and all of those things are important. It's just that they might be different for different people, but that's the beauty of, you know, having a diverse workforce and making sure they feel included. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And how do you think, you know, lots of the, the home working and remote working has sort of affected the, the sort of DNI agenda because you know I guess a, a lot of um, you know the things focused on inclusion you know that they're not being in a physical office could could have quite an impact so uh, I don't, don't know if you found found any I guess additional differences because of that I think actually it, in a way it's been really positive because when we gathered uh, people together for like a kind of a, an organization update um, so a bit like a traditional what you would call a town hall meeting the fact that we can do it remotely and we've done it remotely means we've had far more engagement and and people because we we're not purely in one location we're spread across the country actually it's taken all those barriers away and people feel that actually they they are able to to join and they are able to participate and that there there aren't those barriers of travel or actually you know um, I've got to invest my time here and actually um, I'm a bit you know or I'm the only one dialing in and all that kind of stuff that's kind of gone and it's it's given everybody a level um, playing field which I think is really nice it's so there's something so inclusive about it and and actually running a focus group this way was was challenging for, for our, us facilitators but it was really good because you could again you could really see that it gives everybody that kind of level playing field to be able to have a voice um, and whether that's something around feeling comfortable in your own surroundings I, d I don't know but there's something quite positive about it I think I think there will there are barriers of course moving forwards when you know you you do need to connect people and you know social interaction with people is important and sharing knowledge and and experience in that sort of setting is also a fundamental um you know part of of the experience but i do think there's something this has opened up something about inclusivity for me and uh, i think it's something we need to explore further yes i hadn't thought about just something as simple as getting people to travel to head office you know it it does um it does obviously cause issues for people that perhaps aren't, you know, head office based and, and having to travel. So, yes, yeah, so the technology can be wonderful, can't it, at times for um, for inclusion, but but also brings its own challenges, as uh, as we certainly find. And uh, you know, I guess thinking about geography, then, you know, how how much detail should you know organisations be looking at, at diversity? Should they be looking by location or, or by department or is sort of looking at sort of organizational wider enough you know what, what would you sort of recommend i think you have to start organizational wide um because i think there's also something about trying to get a good diversity of skill capability talent um and and that kind of you need to look at the whole i think um but i think there's also value once once you started to kind of get the um the, the kind of sway of um support and, and seeing the value in that. I think there's also something about looking at, at teams to make sure that you've got a, a good diversity of people because you know it, it, it's, it's exactly you know what, what I was saying around 
when you've got diversity of people, you're you're bring a, you know a wealth of knowledge, experience, ideas to the table, which is which can only be a good thing. But I also think you have to think about where you're geographically based as well. So that's also going to have a play. That's also going to have an impact on on you know where you might target some diversity or not. Because actually, the realities of being able to to kind of um, shift perhaps you know you know ethnic minorities maybe in certain ge geographical areas is going to be quite hard so that's when organizationally i think it becomes important to be able to to show that you're you're thinking about it and making um making the steps in the right places where you know that it you can as well it's a difficult one it is but i think organizationally it's got to be where you start i think mm -hmm. Yes, and actually in the, in the charity sector as well, you do hear a lot of talk about wanting to represent the sort of communities or, or the beneficiaries that, that they support. And, you know, I guess making sure that there's sort of similar, I guess, representation of the people that, that you're supporting, which I guess also brings in a, a sort of another added sort of dimension to it. And you mentioned as well volunteers. So I think, yes, yeah, so I think it, it can actually get quite complex, can't it? That, you know, if you look in, in too much detail. So, you know, starting at that, that organisational wide, certainly, um, you know, for most organisations is probably a, a good step in the right direction. Yeah, I think there was a phrase that I'd heard um, several years ago when, when I was sort of starting on my um, my real, you know, passion for diversity and inclusion. And it was, you you can't, boil an ocean <laughs> and um that really stayed with me because i thought this is exactly what i'm feeling <laughs> you know i can't i can't i want to do it all but i can't do it all because actually we've got to just we've got to focus so we can make those right steps because the more steps you make the more longer term change you create so yeah so that that's something that's always stayed with me i like that i've never heard that before that's a great yeah, way neither. of looking at, at, at lots of things actually it really um puts it very simply and are there any sort of you know not-for-profit organizations that you you know think really stand out that are doing it well you know either from sort of an employer branding perspective or just through your, your own networks that you think oh yes you know that they're really doing you know something you know well in this area that's that's a good question I think from a kind of external perspective I think um, UNICEF uh, I think project some really positive images about and and you know a positive feeling about that in terms of other not-for-profit i i'm yeah it's, it's a it's a difficult one because i'm not i think i'm i'm quite clouded by obviously the recent times and statements that have been issued and and that's kind of i i suppose skewed my thinking a little bit and i know there's been a lot of urgency to, to issue statements which I think is is important so I think yeah I, I don't know I think it's um I think the sector like from an external perspective probably has more to do I would say mm -hmm. yes and, and I would probably agree from you know like I said at the beginning when we saw your job advertised you know it was felt very much like one of the first director level um, roles in the sector and, you know, recently we've certainly seen more specialist positions being recruited with other charities and, and not necessarily at the same level. But, you know, there, there is an appetite obviously there to, to hire them, but they're still sort of in the stages of, of recruiting them and they, they probably won't, won't start for a while. So, you know, it, it, it will probably 
you know be interesting I guess in, in six months time when a, a few more sort of diversity and inclusion experts are settled in to, to see you know what 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 impact that has but yes maybe the, the children's society has just uh, you know got got you in at the, the right time because I think actually it's really important role that we we hadn't really seen before um so yes I'll, I'll, I shall be watching watching that space well, was there anything else you wanted to add sort of generally before we look at maybe some, some top tips? I've, I've kind of said it all really. It's been such a short experience so far, um, but it's been full of so much wealth of, of kind of knowledge, of understanding, of really getting to know people in a virtual way, which has been different, but has been really good. And I think, I, I, I guess my kind of, my feeling is that, there's, there's not too many differences between, you know, from a commercial world to, to this world in terms of some of the issues that we need to be really focused on, really asking ourselves some tough questions on. And I think that's that's kind of indicative of um, perhaps the structure of organisations. Um, but I think it's about, you know, where the where the passion is and where the, the real desire to want to make changes and, and the children's society have really demonstrated that for me you know let, let you know not alone just just um you know recruiting this role with this title but just the continued sense of um commitment to the agenda since the moment i started and i think that's really special so if i can continue and, and really do them justice then I'm, I'm that's what i'm determined to do Amazing. and it, you know it's great to hear that from inside the organization as well you know that that's you know really really great to hear and I do think it is noticeable externally as well and you know Mark Russell on his reverse mentoring we, we have seen that we've seen him talking about it you know it it, it comes across already externally and um, even without talking to you that they're, they're, they're committed to it so um we're very excited to see you know what what you can do with a, a bit more time there but yes, for, for those organisations listening that perhaps don't have a DNI expert in their organisation, what are a few sort of top tips that you can give them that they might be able to take back to their organisations to, to make a difference, you know, with, without having to, to be a DNI specialist? I think there's three main areas that are really important. The first one is around creating um, awareness and an opportunity for education. Uh, I think it's important to keep and or start even that the conversations going and create the awareness and start to understand what the experiences are like in this in this particular organisation, but also to just to kind of learn, you know, and, and grow and, and understand, you know, what else can we be doing? So awareness and education is important. I think it's not also not just all about recruitment. So yes, that's a really important place to start. I, I totally understand that, but you can't just invest all your efforts in recruitment and expect that it's going to change the workforce and it's going to change everything you do because it's just not. It's the whole system. So it's what do you what what happens when someone joins and it, what's their whole experience journey um, and how how included people feel, how valued do they feel. And, and the last thing I think, just, just to kind of reiterate, is what I said is you can't boil an ocean. It's really important that you, you do just, just focus on, on, the, on certain things that you know is right for your organisation and make those small steps. Those small steps really are important. They lead to bigger steps, which then lead to longer term change and build that momentum. Because if you try to do it all, <laughs> 
at, you, you just won't, you just won't, you just can't, it, there's just so much to do. So just, just small steps and a commitment to that and, and you'll get there. Thanks so much, Michelle. It's been so lovely to chat to you this afternoon and maybe in another six months you'll come back and have another chat with us about you know everything that you've done in the next six months it would be great to hear oh i'd love to oh, <laughs> well, good <laughs> yeah good and well, it's great for us because you know we normally spend a lot of time on the recruitment side and you know we talk a lot around diversity of you know attracting a, a diverse range of candidates so it's actually really lovely to hear more about that inclusion side and, you know, if you've done all of that in three months and, you know, in six months time, I think there'll be, you know, hopefully a lot, a lot more to share. So thank you. Thank you very much. It's been very interesting. Thank you both. It's been really great to talk to you both. Thank you. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Michelle. If you have any further questions, please don't hesitate to get in touch with us. And don't forget to subscribe to the show for free on whatever podcast app you prefer. Bye for now. Bye for now.